Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 30th, I think, Cosmic Navigator astrology show. So we have quite a lot of things I wanted to talk to you about today. Some of it was discovered while I was doing the class on Gemini. You know that once a month, I do a class on the month that we're entering. And about, what was it, two days ago, we entered the realm of Gemini. We left Taurus and we are now in the first mutable sign of the zodiac year, Gemini. It's all about mutation. It's all about the ex-women and ex-men of the zodiac. So if you are a Gemini, you have some superpower. That's probably your other character, your other personality. And I did talk here a little bit about, oh no, I think I sent you an email about it. And it's in my uh, blog section on my website, CosmicNavigator.com where I look at the show Severance and a Night Moon. We'll talk maybe about these shows here one day, maybe when we get closer to cancer. But during that preparation for the class on Gemini, I always have this tendency a week before I do the class to kind of open myself to information. It's been something I've been doing from an early age because I'm Pisces rising, I'm lazy and maybe because I don't have any air in my chart, so I'm not supposed to write, I'm not supposed to be talking to people. Uh, maybe that's why I used to talk to myself for so long that I got practiced in it. But, you know, having a chart like mine, I'm really not supposed to do most of this stuff. But I do it, and the way I manage to do it is uh, by asking the universe, whatever you want to call it, for help receiving information. Meaning that I sometimes, I remember I used to go to stores when we used to have bookstores, remember in the old days, and just go like this over the, um, uh, over the shelves and try to kind of like, oops, that book I'm going to pick up and randomly open that book to see if it's worth getting uh, and finding if that paragraph or that page that I was reading gave me some information prevalent to what I was going through in my life. It's not always necessary uh, to ask a question and to uh, say something that you need specifically, you know very well where you're standing and what you're dealing with. You don't have to remind the universe and you and the universe are one. So I don't always uh, think that it's necessary. Sometimes it's nice for the ritualistic part of it, but most of the time I just like to test it. And the same thing happens uh, for me with all sources of information uh, that I receive, or at least I manage to glean out of life, whatever life wants to tell me or whatever my higher self wants to tell me or my guides. And this week, preparing for the Gemini class, something interesting happened to me. I was listening to this lecture about the Homo erectus, which is something that I've always been fascinated with, how we began our life, our first stages of evolution, and how we managed to get to Homo sapiens 2.0, you know, the Homo sapiens sapiens, and how it still affects our life. So I will share with you some of my thoughts that I received for Gemini and how I I put it in reference with astrology so it makes sense to put anthropology and astrology together. So that's what I wanted to start off with you. And for those of you who are in New York in two days, with the help of the good Lord and his lady, I will be in your realm around you. So if you are interested, I'm going to do actually a class on the power of the name in Manhattan. I think it's going to be on Wednesday, Thursday. And then the week after, I'm going to be in Omega. And in October, I'm also going to be between October 14 to 16 and Omega uh, doing a weekend on how to interpret your chart so you can join the ranks of people like Kepler and Jung and Galileo and uh, Newton, all these people who looked at the connection between the above and the below. 
So let's start with uh, our little look at uh, what was going on this week, because as you know, we had the uh, we are still in eclipse season. Uh, it's almost done until at least October, but like I said, it's we're gonna be influenced by the eclipses for a while. Usually, the eclipse stories take about um, you know six, four months, six months to tell, basically until the next uh, season. So. What uh, was going on is, your, if you remember, last Sunday was pretty intense weekend in the eclipse, which is the where the we said that it's a south node eclipse, meaning that it's a little bit heavier, it's a little bit about more releasing, and sometimes even the opposite sign of the moon uh, is not as powerful. So this life, this uh, weekend, we had the eclipse in Scorpio. Just to remind you, Scorpio is the sign of the underworld. It's the sign that is ruled by Mars, the god of war. It also is uh, the, um, we, the, the archetype that tarot card is associated with death. And at least here in the United States, you know, I'm sure that in Ukraine and other places it was much worse. Uh, 21 people were shot in Milwaukee, 13 in Buffalo, 5 in Houston, and 5 in Orange County, California. It basically covered the east, the west, um, and the south, and the north. You know, precisely. Buffalo is in the no, in the east um, and in the north. Milwaukee is in the center in the north. Uh, Buffalo, sorry, Houston is in the south and in the center. And Orange County, California is in the west. It literally the four directions were part of this uh, drama. And again, the eclipse does make people crazy. The eclipse is especially the full moon and especially the one in, Vir in uh, Scorpio that transforms everybody temporary or forever into some kind of a werewolf. Remember, the full moon and the archetype of the moon, especially when it's full, it's very instinctual. It's very animalistic. We sometimes behave in a way that later on we regret. That's why in all the stories, the werewolves were supposed to be tied with silver cords because silver is associated with the moon or be killed or shot by a bullet of silver you know the silver bullet it's even an expression so that was our eclipse and of course it was also influenced by the uh, mercury retrograde and i noticed that on the 20th and the 19th of may which is the peak i mean it was in our mercury retrograde period it still is uh, within 24 hours, two ex-presidents, or no, sorry, one president and one president, uh, two presidents, basically, of the United States were having a slip of the tongue, a very uh, Freudian one. So in South Korea, Biden quickly corrected himself after addressing Yoon, you know, the South, uh, uh, South Korean president, as Moon, because his former uh, Korean president was called Moon. And this one is called Yoon. I mean, it's one letter of a difference, but it's kind of interesting. It was uh, very close to the eclipse, and maybe Biden was influenced by the lunar eclipse, by the moon. And at the same, I mean, 24 hours after, uh, thank you very much. This is from uh, um, former United States President George Bush, and he went to have some kind of a speech in the U.S. Senate in Texas. And he said something kind of interesting. He said basically wholly unjustified. He was talking about the Ukrainian invasion and he was saying wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. And you can see here, of course, the echo of his own feelings about what happened with the invasion to, to Iraq and to Afghanistan. And I'm sure it brings a lot of um, 
memories from him, and that's probably why he switched the Ukraine with Iraq. And it's interesting because if you talk about Tikkun and the idea of rectification, and I'm not trying to, you know, uplift George Bush's uh, karma or anything like that. I mean, you know, after Trump, everybody is a saint. But I'm just saying that it's interesting that he spent after his um, presidency, he basically spent his time connecting to a Torian talent of art. And he chose to have portraits of uh, people who died, soldiers who actually died in battle uh, in Iraq war and Afghanistan war, which is wars that he, of course, declared. So it's kind of interesting. This is what we call in Kabbalah the idea of tikkun, of rectifying yourself, especially when you do it through art, uh, through the means of Taurus. Again, Taurus is opposite to Scorpio, transformation. And it was happening during this eclipse period. So it's kind of interesting how that slip of a tongue was going on. So now let me take you on a little journey in anthropology. Uh, so I was listening to this lecture. It's actually from the BBC. And it was uh, while I was driving. So it was a very, very interesting conversation about Homo erectus. And of course, Homo erectus is uh, a, the hominid that came before us. We evolved as Homo sapiens and later on as Homo sapiens sapiens out of uh, Homo erectus. So what I wanted to do is frame that anthropological study of Homo erectus and how it uh, evolved with the context of Zodiac. And you know, we have the Zodiac ages. We have the age of Aquarius that we're now entering. We had the age of Pisces before, the age of Aries before. These ages last about 2,160 years. They're part of the division of the great year that takes about 26,000 years uh, to take place. And that is because of the wobbling of the earth of 23 degrees from basically being on the axis of the earth. But I'm talking about something different, more conceptual, and I'm talking about huge ages that sometimes takes millions of years, sometimes billions. And what I've noticed that these ages gets shorter and shorter and shorter, meaning that time is quickened. What I'm trying to say is that in the beginning of everything, whenever you start any project, whenever you start any relationship, whenever you start any activity on a planet, it doesn't matter, you start with Aries. Aries represents the match, the spark, the identity. Remember, the key word for Aries is I am. So even if you look at the evolution of the planet or how the planet was formed, I won't call it evolution, but the planet, how it formed, if you would have traveled 4.5 billion years ago to the beginning, to the genesis of this Mother Earth, planet Earth, you would have seen a dominant element, fire. Everywhere was magma, molten earth, volcanoes spewing fire. Everything was very fiery. Uh, from the sky were raining down asteroids. It probably contained some water, and that's why we have water here also. 30%, I think, of the water we got from uh, asteroids. But it was a period of bombarding, uh, artillery, you can say, a divine artillery. Something was bombarding the earth. The whole solar system was full of flame, full of fire. And what the only constant thing was the sun. So now think about Aries. Aries is a fire sign. It's a cardinal fire sign. It's the fire sign that pushes things forward. And if you noticed also in the way that uh, Zodiac is based, the first four signs represents the four, you can say, ultimate manifestation of each of the moda modalities. Sorry, the first three signs. Because we have three modalities. Cardinal, which is the pushing energy. It's the initiation. Fixed, which is the sustaining. And the mutable, like Gemini, that fixes and changes and adjusts and moves around and enable us to continue moving from one season to the other. So 
The first sign is Aries. It's pure cardinal energy because it's the fire of the fire. It's the beginning of the beginning. Taurus will be the fixed earth. And think about it. Fixed is already very earthly. And we're now talking about the fixed earth. It's not even moving earth. It's fixed earth. That's Taurus. It's the ultimate fixation. And then we have Gemini, which is the mutable air. There is no other sign or, sorry, element more moving and adjustable than air. Air is basically the most flexible sign we can. So you have that combination of the absolute beginning, Aries, the absolute sustaining, Taurus, and the absolute mutation, Gemini, as the first three signs. And that's what led the beginning of our uh, planet Earth. So if you think about it, in the beginning, there was a lot of fire, there was a lot of mayhem, there was a lot of uh, forces pushing and pulling all around. I'm talking about the beginning of uh, our uh, passage here as a planet in a sense now when we talk about Aries remember we said it many times we talk also about automatically the opposite sign so Aries and Libra those are both cardinal cardinal air and cardinal earth uh, fire both of them were very involved in the beginning like I said there was a lot of fire here happening uh, even a uh, movement uh, magma volcanoes but also from the sky air Libra were coming down bombarding it as many asteroids that brought a lot of the minerals that we needed later on for life. So that was, you can say, the age, or more than age, is the eon of Aries, and it lasted for billions of years. Then, slowly, what happened is that the thicker elements, thicker minerals started going downward. You know, the magma started uh, being much more in the center of the world, uh, of, the, of the planet, and what happened is we slowly moved into Taurus, uh, Eon, let's call it like that, because suddenly started like a little green ferns or moss, uh, bacteria that are photosynthetic. All of these creatures that managed to utilize the sun, which is very much exalted in Aries. That's why every Aries carries a piece of the sun in them. But why? Because in the age of Aries, the sun was the most important. I mean, it's always the most important, but the planet Earth almost looked like a, like a mini sun in a sense. So much fire. And that's why in Aries, fire is exalted. Because during the eon of Aries, it was the sun that was the most dominant, the sun's element. And that's why, again, every Aries is embedded with a bit of that spark, that divine spark. That's why we have people like Moses and Muhammad and Christ and Joseph Campbell who talked about the monomyth. They're all interested in that oneness, in that worshipping of the sun in a sense. So that is the spark of God that we still have in us. That's the Aries inside of us. And what is the Aries of a person? Their name. Because what is Aries? I am. So when I ask you who you are, you will answer me with your name. Your name is how you carry the spark of God and share it with other people. Then we moved into the aeon of a Taurus. And Taurus is Mother Nature. That's why we started to have green things happening. It started off with bacteria, like we said, that can uh, utilize the sun to create life, photosynthesis. Then we had ferns. Then we had trees. So we had the atmosphere and everything was ready for life. Then came the dinosaurs. So after the dinosaurs came the mammals once they were killed by uh, meteoroids that fell in asteroids that fell actually in Mexico. And later on, uh, something happened 10 million years ago. 10 million years ago, we had a revolution among the apes and humanids started evolving until we had the revolution, the Gemini revolution that started the Gemini Eon 
with the beginning of the Homo erectus. That was about 2 million years ago. So as you see, Taurus, the opposite sign of Taurus is Scorpio. Scorpio, we said, is death. Scorpio is all about water. So no, no wonder life emerged out of the water into the earth, but still it was in the realm of Mother Nature. So you see that how the elements work together in these eons. So it's not a regular eon, it's an eon that is combining an axis or a kind of a, a connection between two opposing signs. So Taurus is life, but Scorpio is death. Why did Scorpio not come before? Because there was nobody to kill, right? There's no life, so therefore there could be no death. During the era, the era of Aries, or the uh, eon of Aries, we didn't have life. Therefore, there was no need for Scorpio that is representing death and reincarnation. But once we have Mother Nature established by Taurus, and we have green, and we're starting to have dinosaurs, now the asteroid can come down and destroy the, the dinosaurs and introduce the card death, because now there is something to kill, in a sense. Or let's be kinder. It's not about killing. It's about recycling, in a sense. And that's why the dinosaurs were recycled into the mammals. And later on, the mammals uh, brought about the apes, and the apes brought about the Homo, Homo erectus, which is the beginning of the age or the combined era of Gemini and Sagittarius. Why? And that was so interesting about that lecture, about how everything about the Homo erectus is very, very Gemini-like. First of all, the idea of walking on two. Okay, Gemini is a double sign. It's the first double sign we have. And what makes us human compared to most of the other creatures, I mean, maybe not kangaroos, but most of them, is that we are walking on two. And you might think, um, well, Gemini doesn't rule the legs. The legs are ruled by different sign. The hands are ruled by Gemini. So why is that connected to Homo erectus? Well, then I thought to myself, it totally makes sense because... Gemini is a mutable sign, so everything about Gemini will be mutations running really fast. So the first one is that we're walking on two, but in fact, we are walking on two. But if you look at your hands that are ruled by Gemini, really what the hands are are mutated legs. If you think about it, these were the legs that were in the front, right? The front legs, and they were closer to the heart. They were closer to the head in a sense. So maybe that somehow influenced the fact that it allowed us to mutate our hands first and to develop these very limble and very agile and very practical fingers that now we use to type on things and to do different things and to do very uh, intricate work with them. But the idea is that first we freed our hands and our hands were probably used at first, more be, probably to some kind of language. You know, even now we still speak with our hands. Imagine before we had words. Of course, the hands were very important. I'm not talking only about punching or caressing and loving. I'm sure that there was much more uh, vocabulary, in a sense, to these hand gestures. And again, language is ruled by Gemini. Hands are ruled by Gemini. Not only that, what made the Homo erectus so successful, and think about it, it's 2 million years that they had to run for 2 million years. We're here only for 60,000, 70,000. Our uh, Homo sapiens were 300,000. I mean, that's nothing. They were here for 2 million years, and they survived very, very well. Not only that, within 200,000 years from their evolution, they already reached Georgia, meaning that they were very avid walkers, runners, and that's where Sagittarius come in. Gemini is, yes, walking on two, developing your brain, language. Sagittarius is traveling beyond your country. Well, 
the countries for the early humanids were Ethiopia, Eastern um, Africa. Suddenly you see them reaching Georgia within 200,000 years and later on being discovered in the 19th centuries in Java, all the way to the other side of Asia. They covered all of Asia. So they were definitely Sagittarian in nature in the sense that they were basically moving and traveling. The exodus, the movement of the people, that come from Sagittarius. And also we suspect that they developed some form of religious practice and wisdom, which is ruled by Sagittarius as well. So again, if we, talk about, if we talk about the Homo erectus, what happened with them is that their brain grew 80% more than the rest of the humanids before them. Like this is a mega upgrade and an update. But the brain takes about 20% of our energy, so we need to feed it a lot. And it was worthwhile, the Homo erectus, to have this big brain that caused also a lot of women to die in uh, birth or females of Homo erectus to die in birthing. But despite that, evolution supported that. Because what happened with the Homo erectus is that they started eating everything. They were so mutable, so adjustable, because that's what mutable signs are. They're very adjustable, that they ate everything. They ate meat, they ate um, fish, they ate plants, and they discovered fire. And with the fire, they were able to cook things. And because they cook things, they could bring the energy much more from that. Therefore, they didn't have to have these big bellies and lie there uh, for hours and hours of siestas to be able to process it. They were very much up and coming, you know, very, very much curious, very uh, hyper in a sense. Not only that, the uh, area in the body that is ruled by Gemini, we said it's the hand, but it's also the lungs. And what they discovered about Homo erectus is that their ability to compete with the other hunters like wolves, um, or other predators at that time as hunters is because of their lungs capacity. They were able to run really long distances. Now, because they started to develop more uh, glands, sweat glands, and they got rid of their fur, they were not so much subject to heat. Heat is the biggest issues that predators have because if they run after a prey, uh, eventually they have to stop. They can't run that long. You know, animals develop the way of... <laughs> Panting with their tongues to get like some cool. We don't need that because we have other means to deal with it, which were evolved into the Homo erectus, in this amazing creature that we also came from. So again, the ability to run is very much Gemini. The ability to develop lungs, Gemini. The nervous system growing, the brain growing, that's all Gemini. Language was developed. Yes, that's Gemini as well. And the ability to travel around, that was very much Sagittarius. Now, something interesting happened around that time because right at the time that, or just before the Homo erectus evolved, what was going on in Africa specifically is a lot of climate change that was probably due to geological uh, shifts that caused the Rift Valley to appear. The Rift Valley starts in Ethiopia, goes all the way up through the what we call the uh, Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds. It goes up through the Dead Sea, the Sea of Galilee, all the way up to Syria and Turkey. All that area is interesting because that was the past that the Homo erectus was uh, walking. But if you think about it, that path also contains, uh, uh, also gives, gave birth to Mecca, where the Quran came, to Sinai, where the Torah came, to Sea of Galilee, where Jesus walked on it. So all of the major Abrahamic religions were following the path, in a sense, of the Homo erectus. Again, the written word is ruled by Gemini. Sagittarius is religion. And what happened with the, what they suspect that was going on then, why we evolved into the Homo erectus, is because the flat areas of jungles that were there before, very similar to the Amazon, 
they're they're constant nothing changes think about the amazon it's been there for like 60 million years the same flat jungles okay now it's changing because of us but before that it was the same what happened in africa at that time east africa was also the same way jungles and flat but because the earth started shaking it's almost as if gaia said okay guys get up wake up we need to get some mutation here we need to get some evolution we can't be like this for 60 million years i'm bored to death so what happened is that the earthquake created these great mountains four kilometers high 1200 um 12,000 feet high. They started creating almost like path and the rivers there moved into, changed into lakes. And lakes are very fickle. They kind of uh, go in, go out, they get big, they small. And what happened is that they probably started pushing these Homo erectuses to the north and they followed this green path from East Africa to the Levant, which Israel today, Lebanon, and up to Asia. So it's fascinating how nature conspired to give us a kick in evolution and how it evolves according to the zodiac. And then I thought, okay, so where is cancer? What's happening with cancer? And what happened is Homo sapien sapien. So about 300, 400,000 years ago, we have the first indication of Homo sapiens. They're kind of a better uh, model of the Homo erectus, a little bit smarter, a little bit more agile. Um, But... Researchers now are showing that around 70,000 years ago, we had what is called Homo sapiens sapiens, the second version of Homo sapiens, maybe a little tweak and a little bit more um, sophisticated. And they wondered what happened around that time and why is Homo sapiens evolving out of uh, Homo erectus. And here we have cancer. Cancer is moving into cancer and Capricorn is moving into the scene. Why? Because the theory now, and that's kind of fascinating, is that the testosterone level started going down. So what happened is that Homo sapiens emerged out of the reduction of the testosterone level in the Homo erectus. So there is less conflict within the troop or within the company or within the community in a sense because men don't fight all the time and they're much more subdued in a sense and literally in the lecture they were talking about how they were domesticated so the less testosterone makes you more domesticated now some of you have done the class with me about the mythology of gender and i talk about how we have research now that shows that actually men who have less testosterone in them are better fathers better lovers and better family people because men who have a lot of testosterone are always on a hunt, always moving from one woman to the other, uh, hyperactive, can't really stand still and um, cause a lot of trouble and usually die even in an earlier age because they're just like constantly on fire, right? So lowering the testosterone definitely makes you more concerning. You suddenly want to be a father. You suddenly want to be monogamous. You suddenly are more chilled. You're not fighting with your neighbors and your everybody around you all the time. So that's what happened. And that's how Homo sapiens sapiens involved. So there's less conflict within the men inside of the troop. That's why we, the troops can be bigger and bigger and bigger and therefore be able to eventually come to the top of the food chain. So the fact that Cancer and Capricorn kicked in, Capricorn is more about the establishment of order and community. We have um, Cancer gives us the domestication. And think about it, about 15,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago, we started domesticating pigs and dogs and, and plants and later on becoming having cities. So that was the age of Cancer and Capricorn. And then what I thought about maybe... 
what is it, about probably 2,000 years ago or even less, we started having the age of Leo and Aquarius in that sense that we are having now kingdoms. So it's no longer domesticating our uh, troops or uh, our, let's say, uh, tribes or clans. Suddenly we're moving into the era of or the age of settling into countries, into nations, into empires. That's very much Leo energy. That is also supported by Aquarius, the opposite sign, which led us eventually to big cities, big countries. Aquarius is all about communities. It's all about the uh, uh, technology. It's all about um, governments. And we have that kicking in, and we're still in that age, the age of Aquarius, which is um, the age that has to do with countries, um, corporation, organizations, the age of revolution, the scientific revolution, the industrial revolution. That's all Aquarius and Leo mix. And now we are still in that age, of course. What would be the next age? And that's, of course, the lecture didn't talk about that. It didn't talk about astrology in general. I'm just adding it so it can give you the reference. But the interesting thing is that the next stage will be Virgo and Pisces. Pisces is, of course, enlightenment. So that's great. If we can get there, that's amazing. What is Virgo? And then I thought about Virgo as the sign of work, right? And think about the word robota, which is forced labor in Czech. It's actually from a book written in 1920s uh, about artificial intelligence, the first indication of cybers, cyborgs and all that. So that's why we call robots robots. It's named after robota which again, in Czech or in Slavic languages, had to do with forced labor. So we are moving into the age of AI, the age of um, service. We're creating machines to serve us. Even what I'm doing now, my phone is serving uh, me right now. My computer is serving me right now so I can reach you guys. Your computers are serving you. They're forced to serve it. It's not like I walk up in the morning and ask my computer, hey, do you mind if we do a class today about crazy... uh, um, Homo erectus transforming into Homo sapiens. And he would say, no, I don't want to talk about it. Okay, sorry, we'll have to cancel the class. They're forced into labor. That's precisely the energy of Virgo. And as we have more and more machine working for us, maybe what we will be much more open to is to focus on Pisces, which is imagination, which is um, anything to do with mysticism, poetry, movement, extra dimensions. Maybe that's why we're so fascinated now with the zeitgeist of extra dimension, multiverses, mysticism kicking in so strongly right now. Uh, Modern physics is very much influenced by that border between Aquarius, which is technology, and Pisces, which is mysticism. So maybe we are moving without even noticing into the age of Virgo and Pisces or the era of Virgo and Pisces. And then when we finish that, we will have to decide what's next because we're going to be done with the cycle that started 4.5 billion years ago. But like I said, you see that in the beginning, the ages are billions of years. Then the ages are millions of years. Then they become thousands of years. And now it's probably going to be reduced to decades or centuries. So um, another interesting thing that I thought about, uh, sorry, I have to share all my thoughts, but that's what happens when you're a lot of time on your own. You think a lot and you talk to yourself so you can remember what you're thinking about because some of your thoughts could be actually pretty interesting. You know that we have now a problem, even uh, Carlson uh, Tucker made a whole special about it and eventually he decided that projecting um, a laser to your penis can resolve this issue. But as you know, since 1982, testosterone in men has been declining. We talked about it here. In 1973 to 2011, male sperm concentration had decreased in 52, by 52%, stem, stem car, sperm count by 59%. 
So in 1963, our fathers could have one teaspoon of sperm that could yield 99 million viable sperm. In 2011, it's down to 49 million. And everybody's worrying about it. Oh my God, what's going on? We're not going to have children. I ain't worried so much because now that I understood that from Homo erectus to Homo sapiens sapiens, we had to reduce our testosterone level. Maybe, who knows, we are now preparing for another reduction of testosterone because there may be less shooting out there, maybe less crazy um, racist out there, maybe less uh, people who are totally... Um, um, confused about what they are and what they need to do. Maybe the whole macho doctrine is going to fall down a little bit and we can have the homo sapien, sapien, super sapien, which will be more tolerant to other people and more accepting other people and not mind who they love and what they love and if they're black or if they're white or if they're pink. So maybe that's what we need, another reduction of testosterone. And it's not as much a catastrophe as it seems because maybe that is our next stage of evolution. And maybe that's also the same thing that happened in the period of the Homo erectus when some of the Homo erectus men would saying, hey, your penis is not erected. I guess you're not Homo erectus. Uh, go away from here. And that was the beginning of Homo sapiens sapiens that with all due respect to Homo erectus, we took over with our less testosterone. So maybe the same thing will happen uh, in the future. And maybe this is what we're doing now is kind of moving into the direction of Homo sapiens 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 as in Homo sapiens 3.0. Maybe I'm just being optimistic. Uh, but that also led me to think a little bit about quantum computing. Sorry, I had a lot of thoughts this week. So I was listening to another lecture about uh, quantum co computing. We talked about it a little bit here. What makes the qubits more interesting than the bits? Bits, of course, are 0 or 1. You know that all of your computers, uh, with all due respect, they only speak uh, two they have two letters zero and one and all these combination of zero one which basically is a closed circle and open circle a circuit uh, that can be that can help us transmit any information that we want audio video etc that's zero and one but what quantum computing does it's every qubit can be a zero can be a one so they're basically in what is called a superposition superposition is another word to say all position it's like the wave of probability. It basically could be whatever it wants until you decide what it wants or until you absorb what it is. And then it is stuck in the thing that you have uh, defined it or the thing that you have uh, decided for it to be. But it's neither zero nor one. It's basically, basically I-binary or it's binary fluid. And I thought about like we've been 100 years developing quantum computing and now comp computer quantum computing are getting to the next level basically. And at the same time, we're seeing in our own society, 2.5%, uh, sorry, uh, I think it's 1% or 2% that perceive themselves as transgender. And people are saying, oh, it's because it's popular. No, it's because it's a trend. They're not really. Well, research just came out that only 2.5% of people that have converted or changed their gender regret it. Because a lot of people are saying that we shouldn't trust what the kids are saying. It's just a trend. It's just fashionable. They'll regret it later on. Who knows? Maybe they will. But according to the studies we have now, it is about 2.5 that regret their transition. 
But I think that one of the reasons why this is happening more and more is because we're getting more and more accepting that the difference between masculine and feminine is not as much as we thought. Yes, there is a difference. A man is a man. A woman is a woman. But there's always going to be the middle path. There's always going to be the messengers. There's always going to be the people that have both of them. And we should just accept it, especially as our computers, which are created in our own image, are starting to show us that that's the future. The future of computing is definitely uh, qubits. And of course, we will keep on having always binary computers. The binary computers are necessary for things that we're doing right now. But to calculate really complicated uh, formulas or complicated equations, complicated calculation, we will need the quantum mechanics or quantum computing because they do it much, 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 much faster. And maybe as above, so below, as within, so with us, without we have the same thing, you know. God created us in our own, in His own image. We're creating the computer in our own image. And if we're changing the kind of computers we're doing now into qubits, which is uh, uh, basically much more of a superposition, we should be open also to know that it is also going to manifest among our kids. And it's not necessarily only a trend; it is the zeitgeist. It is the spirit of the time. So. Now, after we went through all of that, ah, the last thing I wanted to show you, actually, yeah, this one is kind of uh, interesting. The Mercury cycles, because what happened yesterday and a little bit today is that the Sun and Mercury are one on top of each other. It's called a conjunction. A conjunction means the two planets are coming together and the result is different. It's like a gestalt. So if the Sun is self-expression, Mercury is communication, networking, putting things together... They're not like a sun plus a Mercury is what we're feeling right now. It means that it's bigger than its components. So always conjunction, even if you have it in your chart, is a point of a lot of intensity in your chart. So whenever you have houses that have a lot of conjunction, the results is much bigger than the two planets coming together. So yesterday, today, we started a new cycle in Mercury because Mercury always starts a cycle when it is during retrograde, passing on top of the sun in a inferior conjunction. What is inferior conjunction? Inferior conjunction, as you can see in the drawing, is basically when the planet is between Earth and the Sun. So we look, we're sitting here on the Earth. We see this is going to be Mercury. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, uh, the Earth. This is Mercury and you're the Sun. So you see, I'm right here. I'm talking into the mic, which is what I should do. If I am um, uh, the Earth, I'm communicating with Mercury to the Sun and you are the sun. So this is an inferior conjunction. The superior conjunction will be that Mercury is going to be beyond the sun, and I still can see the sun and Mercury together from planet Earth, but it's considered to be a superior conjunction. It's happening beyond the sun. And that's true about any planet uh, in the solar system, superior or inferior. So we begin today, yesterday, in the conjunction during a um, Mercury retrograde. It's always going to be during Mercury retrograde, basically. And it is on zero, zero Gemini, meaning the first degree of Gemini. Mercury is the ruler of Gemini, and now he is in zero, zero degrees Gemini. That is a very important place in the chart. Remember, we talked about the decans. Well, next week, we'll talk about the decans of uh, uh, Gemini. And that the first few degrees of every sign is the pure form of the sign. It's like the essence it's the concentrated essence of that sign so we have mercury the ruler of gemini right in top of zero zero degrees gemini 
and it is in a very powerful conjunction. That means that you actually can start something new, even though it's Mercury retrograde, as long as it is a project that you try to start in the past. Let's imagine you try to date that person many times. They always couldn't do it. Now, if you go on a date, it's great because you already tried. For somebody completely new, eh, maybe it's going to be a little bit tough or maybe you know him from a past lifetime. Same thing with projects. If you want to start something today, if you started something yesterday, even by coincidence, that means a very good sign that something's happening with that project that's going to bloom. The first, the second part of the um conjunction and that's why something's happening right now in the world in in your own life in your stories mercury is the messenger so he wants to deliver some message right now so he started delivering this message or show you what that message is yesterday a day before today tomorrow so we're talking about the last few days and the next few days because that's the first stage and the big conjunction of the mercury and the sun so look at what's happening in your life something with mercury is beginning when is the next stage the next stage will be between june 4 Remember, June 4 is when Mercury goes direct until July 16, which is going to be the superior conjunction. That's going to be after the retrograde. The superior conjunction is superior because the sun, it's beyond the sun. It's all the way to the other side. So that's also when the highest speed of um, Mercury is, which means that your computer and your life and your universe is processing things really, really fast right now. So things are going to move really fast in our life, June 4 to July 16. Then the third part is July 17 to September 9. That will be the time before the retrograde and it is the time of completion. So whatever it is that you're working on could get into some kind of completion between July 17 to September 9. Why September 9? Because September 9, we're getting again into a retrograde and we're going to experience again this um, uh, uh, inferior conjunction that will start a new cycle in the middle of September. So we'll talk about that. I mean, in September 22nd, September 22nd will be, which is going to be right a day after the equinox. So it's going to be kind of interesting um, because that's the journey of Mercury. Mercury does about three cycles like that every year. So the main, I mean, the moon does that 12, 13 times a year. Um, Mercury does it three times. That's why we have three retrogrades every year. So this will give you a frame of mind of how to work with Mercury retrogrades in general. That will be a good way for you to uh, think about Mercury retrograde. Yes, and now let's look to see if there is anything interesting happening to us this week. Of course, there's always something interesting. Um, Let's see. Yes, it's this one. So what is going on? Now we have the moon on top of Saturn. Today is May 22nd, 2022. Uh, Saturn is on top of the moon. It's a little bit more emotional, a little bit harder to start the, the, the car today in the morning. It's kind of, you have something pretty interesting happening today because Saturn is on top of the moon, on top of Vesta. And Vesta is about to change sign into Pisces. So that's going to be actually not too bad because Vesta represents very traditional energy. Saturn is very traditional energy. So the moon on top of Saturn, on top of um, Vesta, is just a little bit too relying on the past, too heavy on the past, which is not comfortable for Aquarius, which is the sign of the future. So we definitely are waiting for the moon to move into Pisces along with Vesta. That's happening even today because then they're going to join Neptune and Mars, who are also in Pisces. You see Mercury retrograde, zero, zero degrees, Gemini. 
the sun, one degree Gemini, which means that we're on the second day of Gemini right now. And uh, today also Venus is moving further away from Chiron. So if you had any kind of wounds and challenges in relationships, they're going to start getting easier and easier this week. So tomorrow on Monday, May 23rd, we have a Mercury retrograding into Taurus. And that's going to be like that for until the end of the retrograde, basically. Mercury doesn't like to be in Taurus so much. So today is the last day when Mercury is in Gemini, which is actually easier to handle when Mercury is retrograde. When Mercury retrogrades into Taurus, we start getting worried about our body, worried about rent, worried about money, worried about survival. Um, it's as if we're bound by these mortal coils much more. So Mercury in Taurus is the card of uh, five of uh, diamonds or five of discs in the tarot, which is literally called worry and worrying about uh, very mundane things. So try not to worry. Be happy. Uh, it's a stupid suggestion, but still... We have the moon moving already to Pisces tomorrow, so it's going to cool the system a little bit on Monday, maybe make you a little bit more lazy and sluggish and a little bit more kind of um, harder again to start the week, not only because it's retrograde, but the good news is that we don't have that many oppositions. Actually, we don't have any oppositions uh, in the chart. So that's actually good because most of our problems are uh, in our head. On um, a Tuesday, we have the moon still in Pisces, but it's getting stronger. Why it's getting stronger? Because the moon is going to be on top of Neptune and on top of Mars. And that is a lot of Piscean energy in Tuesday. It talks about anything to do with meditation, imagination, movement will be much blessed at that time. And the moon is sending beautiful energy to Mercury. So even though it's retrograde and even though moon in Pisces is awfully confusing, there seems to be some understanding between emotions and thoughts, emotions and words at that time. So it's actually a time that you can make things happen uh, on uh, Tuesday. It's relatively positive because the sun is sextiling Jupiter, which is a little door opening for us that day. We have um, Mars and Moon and Neptune and Vesta, all of them in Pisces. So we're getting, again, a pretty strong influence of water and earth happening, which is much more feminine. On Wednesday, there is a transition because Mars is moving into Aries right when the moon is moving into Aries. And we already have Jupiter and we always have Chiron and we already have Venus in Aries. So there is a cluster of Aries happening from May 25 until May 27. It is actually good to get things done. It's very good for action, for movement, for initiation, um, for being even physical. So again, a very good time to push things forward. You're getting a, you're kind of moving into gear five or six. You know, it's like giving you a big boost of energy. Now, Mars in Aries is always much better. I mean, it's going to create a little bit more aggression. I mean, if we talked about the Tastron level, it's going a little bit higher uh, through the Zodiac now because the masculine energy is getting enhanced. We have Gemini, which is androgynous, but we have one, two, three, forty percent of the chart in Aries. That's a lot. So it's going to create some kind of uh, movement energy or moving stronger. You're moving faster at that time. So it's more about your identity, your will. Then on the, tw on the 26th, the moon is still in um, Aries, but she's going over Chiron. There could be some familiar wounds or a woman can, around your mother figure can go through some challenges. So just pay a little bit more attention to family around uh, Thursday and um it's an energy that, again, continues that flow of fire. We're going to have a lot of that fire energy 
uh, going on. Even when the moon is going to leave Aries, which is going to be on Friday, uh, Saturday, she's still we're still going to have a lot of emphasis in Aries because of the Mars, Jupiter, Chiron, and Venus being in Aries for a while. So on Friday, the moon is moving into Taurus, which is great because Friday is ruled by Venus and it's all about beauty and design and colors. And the moon is going to be exalted in Taurus. So we're having a little shift towards Taurus because the moon is moving into Taurus and Venus is going to follow into Taurus very soon. And that way, in Saturday, Sunday, next week, we're going to have Venus in Taurus, moon in Taurus, Minerva in Taurus, Uranus in Taurus, the North Node in Taurus, and Mercury in Taurus. So this week we kind of have the movement, the creation of the Earth we talked about. Wednesday, 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 Thursday, we can say is more Aries-oriented, and then it's shifting into Taurus. And really, big-time Aries, big-time Taurus. And even when Taurus is big-time, it still has a lot of emphasis in Aries. So Aries-Taurus is very much the theme of this week. And indeed, on um, uh, the Saturday, we're going to have the moon conjunct Uranus happening once a month. But this year, we're going to also have Minerva there, the goddess of wisdom. So it's very, it's very, it's interesting because Minerva is Athena. Athena was the goddess of embroideries, of crafts. Taurus is very much about your talents and about art and design. So this weekend is a great time to do some art and craft with your kids or with yourself or with your lover to do something that connects to the five senses, whether it's cooking or designing. Anything to do with even finance can be pretty good because of the moon in Taurus. The only thing is that uh, the moon on top of Uranus always causes ups and downs. Uh, but again, look at how many planets we have only in Taurus and uh, Aries. We have Mars, Jupiter, Chiron, Venus, Minerva, the Moon, Uranus, ne the North Node, Mercury, all of them in Taurus and Aries. It's only two signs, and we have practically 70% of the chart. And if we look uh, the day after, in Sunday of next week, we're going to have the movement to Taurus. We're going to have Venus in Taurus, Minerva in Taurus, Uranus in Taurus, North Node in Taurus, Moon in Taurus, and Mercury in Taurus. And because this year we are supposed to learn how to handle the archetype of Taurus because the North Node is in Taurus until July 2023, it's great to have that help. It's almost as if Taurus is sending us a lot of uh, teachers of Taurus uh, of different types to help us connect to that archetype. And Mercury retrograding Taurus can bring about all the way from, I told you, May 23rd until, let's say, um, when it moves into, I think it's the 13th of June that Mercury is going to move back into Gemini after it goes direct. It is a period where old talents, even from past lifetimes, old ways of making money, memories of how to make money from past lifetime can return because Mercury retrograde is very good for synchronicities, coincidences. That's why I could get all that information about uh, Homo erectus. Why? Because Mercury retrograde helps us go back, whether it's back in time or back into past lives. Maybe I started getting memories from past lifetime of being Homo erectus, you know. So the idea is that Mercury retrograde, a lot of time, any planet retrograde, takes us back into past lifetimes, retrieving things or past in this life or into your unconscious or into your subconscious to bring things out and to help you manifest them. So that's what's going to happen to us this week. Make the best of it. Let's see if there's any questions or uh, statements. Um, uh, could the the decrease wait 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 what it jumped sorry could um, the drop of intertestron is in line with the invention of plastic which leeches yeah 
Of course, that um, we talked about it here that we have a few substances that are secreted from plastic that are causing this phenomena to happen, the rejection of testosterone. And most of these companies are basically supported by the very same people that later on go against trans people or against even women in general. You know, um, you know how they say first they came after uh, um, the the. Um, Romanis and I'm not a Romani so I didn't do anything and then they came after the Jews and I didn't so first they usually come after the women and then they come after the gays and then they come after the trans and eventually they come after everybody so yes it's kind of interesting that the same companies and the same supporters of these people that lobby are the reasons why we're reducing testosterone and then they go ahead and do some special with uh, Fox News about it you know could the decrease of testosterone tie into rebalancing the sacred feminine no i don't think so i think that um um, i don't know i'm not sure i don't know how the homo erectus treated women i have no idea to be honest it's before religion so who knows maybe they were like like shut up or maybe it was different you know maybe it was actually completely different Uh, like we know from some troops of um um apes that are actually a matriotic society so who knows what was going on then Non-binary algorithms are needed uh, to my, to mirror and align with words ecosystem device. Yeah, restarted writing my book. That's great. If you could restart write a book or restart a project you've done before, definitely. Um, is it good to deal with financial contracts, loans that are stuck? Yes, because I've noticed a lot of time what happened is that um, during Mercury retrograde, it's good to refinance. It's good to do anything with the word RE before. A good break to break away from cycles, definitely. Any cycles, great. Um, born with Mercury retrograde in Taurus, lesson. You know, Mercury retrograde in Taurus, you're just used to it. It doesn't mean that it that it's easier. You know, it's almost like I always give the example. Let's say you're born in uh, London and you're used to rain and you move to L.A. because you're sick and tired of the rain and it's raining. I mean, you can say, I was born in London. Is the rain going to be less affecting on you? Uh, you're going to get wet the same way. The only thing is you're not going to make a big deal of it and you're going to go to work uh, when it's raining, even though here in L.A. nobody leaves the house if it rains. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like you're not going to be affected, but you have a thicker skin. Let's say that. So uh, thank you very much for being part of this um, journey to... um, 10 million years ago, and then to 2 million years ago, and then to 300,000 million years ago, and then to 70 million years ago, and then to your date of birth in this lifetime. And um, I would uh, like to say goodbye to everybody waving and making pictures of uh, making gestures of birds and so forth and kisses. Thanks a lot for joining us in the Cosmic Navigator Astrology Show. And uh, I did post another blog. I think most of you get it already. I think it is about the dates for June 2021. For those of you who I'm going about to see in New York or in Omega, thanks a lot. I will, um, again, post the dates of the classes that I'm leading. And the one in Cancer is going to be right on the solstice. So right on the solstice on June 21st, we'll have the traditional class on Cancer, the sign of compassion and unconditional love. And until then, see you somewhere. Thanks a lot.